I'm Leonard Nimoy. Join me for In Search of... An Artemis! Hi! Welcome. This is Shelley Cummings. I am coming to you from beautiful, sunny, extraordinarily hot Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm joined by my friends, Jem Gentili in Silver Spring, Maryland, and Beth Shannon in Silver Spring, Maryland, or thereabouts, right? Yes. You're in Silver Spring. You're yep. Silver Spring. And we probably will have a late arrival with Peggy Sue Bennett in Grand Rapids, but she had a family commitment. So we are going to start off this evening by discussing top of mind. And then we will jump right into our genetics quiz and fun conversations, which we know is all your favorites. It's mine. So it's everybody's. <laughs> uh, so Beth, would you like to share what's top of mind for you this today? Yes. Yeah, so it just, I'm still, I think the last time we recorded, I talked about how it was sort of giddy about getting vaccinated and the possibilities. And even today, it was like I went to the supermarket and once again, there were people who weren't wearing their masks properly. And in the old times, that used to send me into this sort of internal rage. And now I was like, la, 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 I'm vaccinated. Either they are or they aren't. I don't care. And I have a graduation to go to on Friday. I have friends I'm going to see this weekend, postponing a trip that was supposed to happen, President's Weekend this year, and of course didn't. So I'm just really like, I can't believe even since we started recording this January, talking about the state of this, I'm still in my giddy state of I'm going to be able to see people and start choosing to do things. I hear you. Uh, I have gotten out a little bit more. And each time I do, it feels like an awakening. Uh, it's just like so refreshing to do things that we took so much for granted prior to over a year ago. And by the way, props to your home state of Indiana, because the Indiana University school system is one of the few state school systems in a so-called red state that has decided to require students to get vaccinated before they show up in the fall. So good oh, for them. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's great. Jim, what's top of mind for you? Well, of course, uh, <laughs> like everyone here, I'm, you know, wondering if Peg is actually going to show up for the podcast <laughs> and so forth. And of course, like everyone in the world, I am mindful of the fact that today, as we record this on May 24th, 2021, it is the 80th birthday of American singer-songwriter Nobel laureate Bob Dylan. But even 80th? more... 80th? 80th birthday. But even uh. more pressing than that is the fact that Bob Dylan has to share this birthday with someone who may be equally impressive, who entered the world today at 3.43 p.m., weighing 5 pounds and 14 ounces, a height of 19.5 inches, by the name of Dominic James Gentili. Yay! Born to my son, Michael, and my daughter-in-law, Katrina. Katrina, of course, did all the work. Michael is taking, trying to take at least half the credit. But anyway, that is what is at the top of my mind. Wow. So I thought you were... Congratulations. That is huge news. Yes, it is. I actually thought you were going to mention it's Dan Rusk's birthday today. He is, uh, I think, a listener, faithful listener. Oh, well, husband, that's great. Husband to Kim Rusk. All right. Friend. And now he's got... Now we have three people that have to share this birthday. So no, what can I we say? have four. Oh, my God. Who else? I am a great aunt. Yay! Today. As of today. Wow. Yes. Wow. To Sage, I don't know her last name. Seven pounds, three ounces, 21 Fantastic. inches. And lots of dark hair. Uh, I've seen multiple pictures. So I'm not sure which last name, if they're going to go with my nephew's last name or uh, the mom's or a mixture of both. They officially haven't announced it yet on Facebook or <laughs> Insta or whatever the 20 year olds do. But um, by the time this podcast gets posted, they will. So I felt pretty safe Excellent. sharing it. 
Excellent. Uh, Very yeah. nice. Lots of stuff. Obviously, last August at the height of the <laughs> pandemic, <laughs> lots of stuff was happening, man. Yeah. People had to entertain themselves some way, I guess. Indeed. Yes. So there you go. Um, yeah, that's pretty exciting. All very exciting news. All yeah. very upbeat yes. news, right? All very upbeat, top of mind, right? Very positive, yeah. yeah. Well, let's see what we can do to depress people now that we've gotten them up. Well, Jim, you know, I like this... that you got the middle name, too. Did you know that was going to happen? Well, I yeah. think you are misunderstanding. I'm sure that the child <laughs> is named after a former Marquette University basketball player, current European professional Dominic James. I'm pretty sure. Got That's it. who the child is okay. named after. I said. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't say that, Jim. You should just go with it. Yep, yeah. he got my name. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I did, they do not. Michael and Katrina have made it a practice with both of their children. Although they pick out the name in advance, they do not reveal it to anyone until after the that child is, smart. is born. So yeah. I agree with that. And my nephew did quite the opposite. They kind of had the name picked out like pretty quickly after so they, they had knew. the name picked out, and they figured, "Hey, we better have a child. We've got this name. <laughs> yeah. We got a." No, they, I mean they had the name picked out before. I don't know, very early, as soon as they okay. heard the sex. I yeah, think. I think sure. Michael and yeah. Katrina had the name picked out very early, but again, they chose not to divulge it. Yeah, and my my nephew did. He shared it with the world. <laughs> So happy, happy to all those parents. Yes, indeed. Uh, happy for them. Lots of May 24th birthdays. All right. Very good. Yeah. Okay. You want to jump into it? Jump into it. Let's okay. go. So what, I, what is the genetic, before we do that, since we're talking about genes tonight, what is the genetic issue with Peggy that makes her like <laughs> late and forget that we're supposed to be recording a podcast when we're supposed to be recording? So I, this is a very interesting topic because I called her out on this recently. <laughs> we were talking about taking trips and getting credit cards and getting a new credit card so you can get the miles and use that. And if you close one, you get and then open another one. Like it's this very strategic, methodical process. And she shared with me that she actually puts in her calendar when she has to close an account so she can open another one or some variation thereof. And I said, you are insane because you can't even keep track of our podcast, which is two weeks out in your calendar, but you have in your calendar <laughs> two years out for a credit card. And she just laughed and she said, you, you're absolutely right. She goes, I, I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> So it was indeed, just, indeed. Just, so you know, do you think it's a genetic issue? Is there something? Is there like? Is there some gene therapy that we could <laughs> seek for Peggy that would help solve this problem? Do you think? I don't know. I think it's just a matter of. I once do we hit her upside important? the head with a rolling pin? Is that will that help solve? The problem? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to resort to physical abuse. But no, I don't either. But. <laughs> Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't mean to to uh, no, get you off question. your <laughs> off your uh, your game there, Shelley. But I just thought that that was relevant to our discussion tonight. Yes, so yes, it is. So I I'm doing this a little bit different than the way we did it last time. Um, I have kind of some short bursts of uh, questions, and we're going to do some true or false around. Whether or not certain characteristics, features, behaviors are inherited. Ooh. And so we're not getting into like the cool and creepy, which what we is what we did last time. Although some of this you might think is cool and creepy. So let's go. I want to start off by asking if either one of you have been around someone who, as soon as they step out into the sun, starts sneezing. I can't. I mean, I've certainly people seen people sneeze outdoors, but I, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think that I'm aware that I know someone who has that problem. Yeah, I don't okay. think so, I am either. Are you saying like every time they step out into the sun, it causes them to sneeze? Yeah. So, I mean, this is a great example because we all go to the movies or used to go to the movies and like going to the movies. So, in this, they're in this dark movie theater. And then when they go outside or they hit a, a well-lit lobby... They start sneezing. So it's the change, some kind of change in the light causes them to start sneezing. 
So it's actually wow. one of the quirkiest inherited traits that's kind of most cleverly named, I'd have to say. And it's called a chew syndrome. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Yo, come on. I'm not making really? it up. I'm not making it up. It's A-C-H-O-O syndrome, and it's autosomal dominant. And autosomal dominant, to take you back to eighth grade biology, is if you know one of the parents has it, it's a 50-50 chance to pass uh. that gene down to each, ch- each independent event of the children. So males, females inherit it 50-50, passing it down. But That's it, autosomal how common dominant. is it? I don't know those details. So that's why I, I tried okay. to go into little snapshots this time because so, okay. I didn't want to overwhelm people. But it's autosomal dominant, compelling, heliopathic outburst. That's the ACHU part, A-D-C-H-O. And according to the National Center for uh, Biotechnology Information, people who have this just suddenly start sneezing when they get exposed to bright lights. And it typically happens when like I said, they're they're coming from a dark environment and they go out um, into a, a very well-lit environment. So next time you go to the movies or next time you are, you know, going from dark to light, kind of pay attention. See if you hear. And it's not like they're going to rip off a series of nine sneezes, but you so just it's might. like they'll sneeze one, once or twice or something like that. Exactly. Okay, exactly. Now everybody's on edge anytime they hear but somebody sneeze. So... Interesting. Well, now they they sneeze into their mask. You might not even be able to hear that, but true. We maybe see more of the body movement now than we did before. But I'll be I'll be watching out for it now. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I mean, Just pay attention to what's going on. I basically feel like somebody sneezes in my face now. It won't be a pleasant experience, but I'll be like, I'm vaccinated. So you just wasted <laughs> all that. Yeah. <laughs> that that's their um, that's their biological warfare towards you now is yeah, there say, hey you just wasted that try somebody <laughs> right. else right well so you know the vaccine's not 100 percent. i know i understand yeah. that and i yeah. but i also know that the chances once you're vaccinated that you'll get a milder case too so that yeah. seems to be but i have to say and again not claiming any expertise so just what i read it seems like so far the vaccines are working at least as well, if not better than they had anticipated when they put them out there, it seems like. It yeah, seems like they are, they are pretty effective. They're causing mild... They're even saying that even people who neglected, and apparently in the United States, about 8 to 10% of people who got a first dose and were supposed to get a second dose haven't done that, but that even people who've gotten a first dose are getting some protection from even though they didn't get the full thing. Yeah. Now, Shelly, I have a weird yeah. question. I have heard if you're sneezing a lot, like you just sneeze, and you can't seem to stop. If you look at light, it's supposed to make you stop. Is that just an old wives tale? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It, it, it could be. I've never heard of somebody not being able to stop sneezing because it's kind of, it's, you know, your heartbeat is kind of skipping a little bit there, getting out of rhythm. And so it, I, I've never heard <laughs> not being able to stop sneezing and looking at the light. So try it. Well, I don't, I don't have know. this problem, but I will uh, let you know what I find out. Right? Yeah. Okay. You know, that sounds like one of those things like they used to give all those remedies for how to stop when you have the hiccups. Hiccups. Yeah. That's what I thought of too. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if any of them ever really work or not. Drinking water upside down does. While you're upside down or while the water is upside down? No, you hold the glass bend over and drink from the far side. Oh, I, right. Okay. And that will, yeah. that, that works actually for me. Works. It works for me. Hmm. How often do you get the hiccups there, Bethy? Uh, not that often, but probably like maybe three times a year. I hope I'm not violating some rule here, but Beth and I were actually on a work call together earlier today and she forgot and thought she was on the podcast and called me Jimmy on the work I call. Did. Oh. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Am uh, I wrong? That you did do that, did you not? I did, and I was like, oh God. <laughs> did anybody know that? Actually, I was just going to let it go, but then Beth would, like caught herself saying it. So. But because uh, he, he's all you, official on this. I mean, 
Well, yes. I, I mean, mean yes, he should be. be. No, it's like soon goes uh, by yeah. James, and then so I always call him Jim, obviously. And then today I said, "Okay, Jimmy," and I was like, "Oh shit, I shouldn't have said that." <laughs> <laughs> Wrong environment. That okay, let's funny. move along. Okay, that's sorry. funny. So no, 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 it was great. So this is a true or false question. The most common cause of yellow teeth is your genetic makeup. I'm going to guess one of us is going to get this right, and one of us is going to get this wrong. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. We could we could guess together. I would say, I, my inclination, Beth, is to say yes. But what do you think? And I'm gonna say false. So one of us is okay. right. All right, I'm gonna say true. Okay, so it's false. Yeah, because the the trick part was the most common cause. So it is teeth. a cause. Yes. So but the like, most common cause is eating too much something or something. Yeah, right? like tea, red wine, coffee, cigarettes, certain foods. Those those are much more common to cause yellowing or graying teeth than just genetics. And so the, you know, certainly genetics is one factor just like it's a factor for hair color, eye color. And some people that have conditions, two inherited conditions predominantly, one's called Dentogenesis imperfecta, so denti is teeth, um, and then ameliogenesis imperfecta. And so the imperfecta part gets into your dental, your your bones, and your enamel um, aspects of your teeth. So those are the two most common genetic um, types, but not the most common cause of yellowing yellow teeth. So there you go for that one. So I put up my hand, not oh. again, because I want to interrupt the brilliant uh, list of things you have to talk about, but <laughs> I have a sort of a general question. Is there really any physical condition that you can't say is at least partially or in some cases genetically based or genetically influenced or something like that? Oh, well, I hate to say have it that infinite, you know, that okay. finite. I mean, you know, so I mean, we are now, we now know that many more conditions are genetic than we ever originally believed. Or at least so, there's, genetics plays some part. Some it's not, role. Right. Yeah. I, I That's think what, honestly, it, it plays some role in almost every single thing. That was sort of my, my yeah. inclination is like, uh, it doesn't necessarily, like, for example, like with some cancers, for example, you may have a genetic predisposition that makes it more likely mm -hmm. you will get it. Doesn't guarantee you will get it, or doesn't guarantee if you don't have it, you won't get it. But it definitely plays a role in the risk factor, something like that, right? Is that certainly more or less correct? Yeah. So there are certain forms of cancer that are definitely inherited. You inherit an altered gene that increases your risk. Doesn't mean you will get the cancer, but you have a predisposition due to that altered genes. But at the fundamental level, all cancers are due to a breakdown in a single cell's genetic material. Yeah. It's not necessarily inherited. But it is gen it's genetic in the sense that it, it operates at the genetic level. Yeah, your right? own yeah. genetics little went a little haywire. Yeah. But it, it and caused that, but typically that takes accumulation of a lot of mutations over many years, many exposures, which is why the vast majority of individuals that get cancer get it at an older age when they've accumulated all those hits. Excellent. Yeah. Something. So to we're going to get into a few things that you'll think, really, that's inherited, and so it it kind of goes along with what how you started the the part of that question. So this next. One that I wanted to share is, um, you know, how, you know, individuals and families look alike mm -hmm. um, many times or certain have certain features. Uh, but, you know, there are certain individuals that look even more like their parents if they're, let's say, looking really serious at their child. So your mom, you, that serious look that your mom might have when she looks at you. Some people might think that that's a result of you just spent a lot of time together and subconsciously you're mimicking her expression when you were a child. But actually, there's a study that showed in blind subjects and their sighted relatives, and this was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, that they shared significantly similar facial expressions. I just found this study 
so fascinating because, you know, we talk about nurture and nature. And when you're around somebody after a period of time, you kind of pick up their habits and their features. But these subjects were blind. So they couldn't see that in their in their relatives. But this even held true for those relatives who were separated at birth and had and then they hadn't met until years later. So I thought this was super interesting and would love to hear your thoughts. Oh, I think it's really cool. And we Jim and I have a mutual friend and when she was pregnant with her child and went to have the ultrasound, the baby was chewing on his tongue, which is something her husband did, and it drove her crazy. So she's like, (laughs) wait a minute, how is this possible? Like, he hasn't even met his dad yet, and he's already chewing on his tongue? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I have to say that the experience of being a father made me, if I had any doubt that there's genetic predispositions. And again, I don't think everything genes explain everything. I certainly don't feel that way like some people do. But if you had any doubt that there are such things as genetic predispositions, you just have to meet your children when they first come into the world because they're already born with some stuff that is there. I just feel that anybody who raises a child learns that on some level. I can only uh feel that through my sisters um so i can i can see that the behaviors and the eyes and the expression but yeah i just thought that was so fascinating and something i didn't know uh, but in preparing for this podcast i thought that was a pretty cool fact so i thought i'd share yeah i'm curious of you two if you grew up with parents that went to a gym regularly or 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 consciously worked out regularly Absolutely not. Not in the slightest. Me either. Me either. And and none of my friends, when I was thinking through this one, I remember go, ever go, saying, no, we're going to the gym or I'm going running or anything like that. And before I get into this, what, what are your thoughts about that? Do you think that's just because now it's popular, now we're more health conscious, now we're more diet? Focused. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the quote running craze first started to become a like a phenomenon that was noticed in the popular media in the late 60s and I can tell you that the gym going to the gym was sort of in most people's minds in those days was like it was kind of a seedy thing like like boxers worked out at gyms and like bodybuilder guys and they were considered kind of seedy. They're probably still considered a little seedy, I think. And it just wasn't like the kind of thing like, you know, if if you were into like a, a specific sport, you would talk about, I'm going to go play basketball or I'm going to play baseball or I'm going to play football or whatever. But But the idea of just going to work out at the gym was kind of like a, seem like i i don't even think for example and i i it's my impression that like even professional athletes in that era i'm talking like pre the 1970s say didn't really work out much they you know they practiced the sport they were playing but in terms of like working out and stuff i don't think that mm-hmm. was much of a thing then so was jane fonda in the 70s or was she her bodybuilding stuff, I think, was really in the 80s that okay. came out. And that definitely was a big thing. But I think the first thing that I remember, and I'm not, this is not, I haven't done any like scientific or even look back at, the first thing I remember is that the running, jogging or running became a sort of a craze in the late 60s and, and continued through the 70s. It was in the 70s, I think, for the first time, people started paying attention to like the marathons. Mm. And I mean, there had always been a Boston marathon, but I don't know that it was a big deal outside of Boston. But like, I think it was sometime in the 70s that the New York marathon started and that that became a thing. And and people started were paying attention to that stuff. And that's my recollection just from the experience of my life on that. I know I'm a little bit older than you guys. So that's the way I remember it. Yeah. And I was going to say, 
like for me, I was even trying to think, was there a gym in our town? And the closest thing would be the Y that was in the next town over. And my sister used to go swimming there. And I think they probably did have some sort of exercise room. But if you were a kid back then, so in the 70s for me, you would, you just did sports, you know, you did park and rec stuff. Um, My brothers were all into scouting and my dad was a scoutmaster. So they were camping and hiking and canoeing and doing all that. My dad was also really handy. So any exercise he got was just doing stuff that had to get done, but he never took time out to exercise the way we do now. Yeah. And I I would say my dad is the same way when tinkering around two houses and mowing the yard and, you know, making sure everything's right, planting, yard landscaping, that kind of stuff was the physical exercise. And my mom didn't do um, anything other than, you know, the, the housework and things, but not to a gym or not running or anything like that. And the reason why I bring that up is, so do you, do the two of you go to a gym now or make a conscious effort? I do. To be physically active? Well, yes, I do. Only because I don't want to die, but uh, I don't enjoy it, but I do, <laughs> yes. Okay, so that uh, that was a perfect segue, it, uh, but we're going to go back to that. Beth, what about you? I definitely make an effort to work out. Um, I have I don't belong to a gym, and, but since the pandemic started, I've increased my exercise and work with a trainer a couple times a week and hike and bike. And so I'm actually in better shape now than I was pre-pandemic. Um, and I, That's I, awesome. I just That's do great. the things I enjoy. So right. I, yeah. you know, even you have the benefit of enjoying things, whereas <laughs> yes. I, you know, well, I think she also likes to go outside. See, That's I part will tell of it. you that, that this was, this is like a long time ago. This I'm talking like 30 years ago. I used to play, I used to regularly play racquetball. And I enjoyed mm. that. And I think that's pretty good exercise. Oh, At the time, exercise. I wasn't really like yeah. tracking it. But the thing, the key to that for me was there was a guy, a guy I did not know at all. I belonged to this racket club. I joined this racket club and they, just, you know, had weight, you know, they could you just put your name up. You're looking for someone to play racquetball against. And he was a guy, he was a, a French who happened to be in the United States for work. And, uh, we were both basically equally bad at racquetball. <laughs> and and I, they, I mean, that's funny, but it's also important because I played against some people that were much better than me. And it wasn't really fun or really much exercise because, it, it, you know, there weren't like any long rallies or anything because I was just, you know, they would, they would hit the ball and I would miss it. And, <laughs> and then I even played with a few people who had never played before who were not as good as me, as hard as that is to believe. But, and that... It's sort of the same problem. So I think part of it is you do need to have somebody who like is more or less not, you know, who you can be, you know, competitive with, not even in the keeping score sense of competitive, but just in the sense of having somebody who you can keep the ball flowing with. And so we played, I think we we did this for like a couple of years and then he, he, uh, he left, you know, he had to, you know, I, I don't know whether he went back to France or just somewhere else, but. He left and I never really found another partner. And then I sort of drifted away from it. Well, I think there is something to finding the right partner or finding a club where you can, you know, engage with people as well as the interests of your sports. But actually, there might be your specific genetics that are influencing your level of interest in physical activity. Because there's researchers at University of Georgia that have some preliminary findings suggesting that people have a certain gene that might interfere with the release of dopamine. And dopamine's that um, feel-good neurotransmitter. So you'll hear people talk about runner's high, and it's just really an extra release of dopamine. But some people might have a gene that interferes with that release, so they never get that pleasure or that reward feeling in that part of their brain. Also, a person's personality could affect their natural urge to be active as we get older. We're not as active, but I can tell you my step-grandfather, he was the only grandfather that I knew, joined a gym for the first time in his life at age 94. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And he was a big Swede. Mm. 
big guy. And he would go and get on that treadmill and had his little jogging pants and tennis shoes on and he'd walk and yeah, but first time ever. And why did he do it at 94? Out of the blue. Have no idea. Came home, told my grandmother, I joined a gym. And every day he would go to that gym until he died. Or at three least he years was later. telling your grandmother that's where he <laughs> no, was he going. No, he did. I know he did because uh, uh, you know he he did. I'm sure he did. <laughs> I didn't really start working out till uh, like about a little bit, maybe over a little over 20 years ago. Which I mean, 20 years is a long time. But I mean, I didn't start. I never worked out till I was in my 40s. But what, yeah. wouldn't some of that be related to having young kids? I mean, as a parent, time. you probably just yeah. didn't No, because time. the kids were pretty young when I started working oh, okay. out. I mean, the youngest was like six or seven years old or something. I think it's just I became more conscious about trying to control my weight and be healthier and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because of the kids that I was trying to be more yeah. conscious about being healthy. I don't know. Not sure. Not sure why. Okay, I have a I have a true false question again. I have Hi. a question before you do that. What's oh, the okay. difference between dopamine and endorphins? Um dopamine is an endorphin. Okay. So there's yeah, think about here. So there's endorphins is like a class of receptors. And so okay. you have because I've heard people say serotonin, norepinephrine. Okay, so I've heard people yeah. say, "Oh, endorphins! I want the endorphins." So I guess what they're you're they're saying, dopamine sp- is a specific kind of endorphin. Yeah, yeah. they're just okay. not being specific to what kind of endorphin. Okay. they want excellent. Which is the yeah. best endorphin in your opinion, Shelley? <laughs> so dopamine is your feel good. Your bl- your it upregulates your brain's pleasure and reward centers. Excellent. So we all know uh, about that one. It depends what you're trying uh, to do as to which one's the better one. <laughs> What is uh, serotonin? I've heard of serotonin. What is that for? Uh, so serotonin, it's uh, it regulates your mood, um, your feelings, like and and feeling happy. Uh, you, it's so it also pe- can affect like your sleeping and eating. So it has. But some a variety. people say that exercise will help your serotonin too, right, or something. Or is yeah, that because a- you might get that dopamine burst <laughs> and serotonin burst and you feel happy. Okay. So there, right. it's not like there's only one pathway or one no, neurotransmitter um, that's going to Excellent. Multiple. This is like this is like having an actual person who knows what they're talking about on the podcast. <laughs> I think you might know, have said that a little. last time we talked about the subject, Jim. We talk science. Okay. <laughs> So to go to dovetail a little bit on the gym and the physical exercise. And we're saying the gym. We're not having a weird way of referring to me. Right? G-Y-M, yeah. G-Y-M, not Jimmy. Oh, now you see. We've started it now. Let's talk about metabolism and how high your metabolism is. Do you think that's controlled or inherited? Not controlled. Inherited from your mom, your dad, or neither? I think it is inherited. I don't know. I haven't really thought about whether I'm going to say dad. It's, in, it's inherited from your mother. According to a study published in Nature Communications, metabolism, it is inherited from your mom. And I say that because I think my metabolism is similar, similar to my mother's. Yeah. And I think mine is similar to my dad's. So it's, I don't think it's always the same. And the, the same study showed that. Um, your intelligence is a trait that you get from your mom. But again, intelligence is one of those things, which certainly I think there is a genetic yep. component to, but there's also a big environmental component to Completely agree. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, those people who write those books about it saying, oh, intelligence is all inherited. That is a crack of shit in my opinion. So just so, saying, John listens to some of their podcasts too, so. <laughs> the, we're going to touch back on that serotonin topic. Um, I forgot I put this in here, but serotonin also impacts what your is, ability to focus. Do you inherit focus. forgetfulness? Is that from your mother or your father? <laughs> no, you no my problem is I found these interesting topics and then I went back and dove into the papers and then I forgot 
you know, and I did this all in about an hour before we started this. So, so <laughs> it's great to know that you put so much time and preparation into tonight's uh well, I, I've i had a little busy of a last few days, so I Have apologize. You? I hope because yeah. oh, of your yeah. uh, the family stuff? No, or more no, 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 just work, work and stuff. Work. So it's, Everything it's all good. Everything is good? Yep, all very okay. good. Yep. Did you get Did you get any endorphins in the last few days, Shelly? I did. Uh, today, actually, I led a whole day conference for my team, so I got and a lot of endorphins. That's how you get yeah. sort of a rush from doing that. Well, it went well also. And, and the team that helped me put this together was phenomenal. So it was not just me, but um, it all came together nicely. So hey, what, is the, what is the stuff that causes when things don't go well for you to feel, not you particularly, but anyone to feel bad? I mean, there, are there like other things like going the, or is it just those levels of those things drop when things aren't going bad? Well, I think it's the levels, you know, and then there's a lot of things that we just don't know about, you know, like why people get depression. Is that? Kind of where you're going. No, I was just thinking like, like you mentioned, and I mean, I think most people have the experience of like when they're involved in something and it goes well, there's a certain euphoria. I hope that's not too strong a word to say uh, for it. But that also like if you're involved in something and it doesn't go well, there's a certain, you know, uh, you know, or whatever. I don't know whether depression is the right word because, you know, for most people, I don't think it usually lasts for a long time. But there's a certain, you know, you feel like you get, you know, you feel really down in the dumps or something after things don't go well. But I guess what you're saying is your levels go up and down and that's sort of... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They certainly go up and down. And and serotonin is an example of when it, it is out of whack or super low, it can cause depression. It can also cause anxiety and sleep trouble and all those things when it's not in the even. But it is. It's It's this cycle up, down, up, down. Just like, you know, you have up-down moods, depending on what's going Sounds on in like your life. push-ups, up-down, yeah. up-down. <laughs> right, right. So, the ability to focus is another one that I wanted to talk about. If your mother has lower levels of serotonin, which we just discussed, helps influence mood, you are more likely to develop attention deficit hyperactivity disorder later in life. And this was published in JAMA Psychiatry, the very reputable journal. So passed down from mom to kid. So the rest of the stuff you gave us, that was all from Wikipedia or? Uh... <laughs> no, different. The other one was from Nature Communications. I was going to say, she said, uh, yeah. I'm just teasing, yes. Shelly. I know you wouldn't give us stuff that wasn't reliable or reputable. Right. <laughs> What's the definition from, of later I mean, in life? Yes, that they did not go into in the study. I think they just are trying to differentiate between the ADD in childhood mm -hmm. and ADD when you're an adult. Do I've people really people... develop ADD later in life? I didn't even realize that was a thing. Yeah, that was I always sort figured of my if question. you had it, you had it. Yeah, no, people can develop it later. Interesting. Because I've heard people say they weren't diagnosed as a kid, but now I'm beginning to wonder maybe. Because Maybe they, they didn't, didn't have, have it, it when they were a kid. kid. Exactly. Or it, it could be that, or it was all just chalked up to he's got a lot of energy. Yeah. He's got he's got a lot of nervous energy. And then now when kids can't sit still in school or in front of a computer, because that's how we teach now, it, it's they are Hello? given a diagnosis. There? Whereas before it was just Shelly? You know, different. There's uh oh, we just nope, now Shelly, she's back. Are you back? Yeah. Whoops, sorry. What happened there? <laughs> I don't know. I was talking. <laughs> you may have been talking, but it was not being recorded. Oh, I'm sorry. No, what did we we so go back? We'll uh our crack editing staff will fix this. <laughs> but uh what Where were you saying? Where did you lose me? What point? You you were saying it it may be because uh you said that sometimes they say the kids just have a lot of energy or something. And oh, we lost and, and now when Children can't sit still at a desk or in front of the computer in a classroom. They're quicker to diagnose it as ADD. It's like more front and center or, or ADHD. Um, whereas many years ago, that wasn't even on the radar for people. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I don't. I had never heard of that when I was a kid, but or when I was, you know, till later on. But um, so, if you find yourself that you have an inability to focus, just blame it on your mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs>
We're being hard on Mother. I'm glad we didn't record this on Mother's, Mother's Day, Day because exactly. we're being awfully hard on Mother's tonight. <laughs> so we should do a few more and then be, bear in mind that Peggy will be joining us for the second hour tonight. So, you know, that. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I have uh, a few more here. Uh, let's see. Which one should I pick? So true or false? I get my math skills from my dad. I would say true because my dad stinks at math and so do I. I'm going to say false just to be difficult. Okay. Do you think there's something true about the statement, I'm not a math person? Yes. I think think there are definitely people that are born with more of a predisposition toward math, whether it's maybe it's related to their spatial relationship abilities or something. I don't know. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. So I think there's some, we go back a little bit to the nature and nurture part of it. I think your DNA can play a measurable role in in how you learn, but your genetics really are much more about your general learning ability, not whether you're, you have a knack for mastering certain subjects or English or, or math, for example. So basic math ability depends on, you know, more like hard work and preparation and confidence and not necessarily winning the genetic lottery. Right. But I can do basic math. Yes. I just, for all our listeners, I can do basic math. (laughs) I mean, my children. I almost didn't get out of high school or college because of algebra. Yeah. My children are very math-phobic. Wait. Yeah. Um, And, but if you give me, like I studied architecture undergrad, I can do structures because I can understand the formula that if I'm spanning 10 feet, the joist has to be this big to carry the load. So I can do, it's more like I can do geometry and trigonometry. I can't do algebra. Like, why are you talking about make-believe numbers sort of thing? So Yeah, where's X? Yeah. (laughs) Who cares? Yeah. So, but my dad was also the same. He was much better at the sort of applied part, not the theoretical mm-hmm. differential equation formula stuff. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I just think there are some people who are more inclined, but I also wonder too if if he had a phobia about it or didn't think it was a strong suit. Was it not really, you know, do and again, I grew up you know, late 60s, early 70s. So it wasn't like there were all these, you know, learning games. You just played with your dolls or your trucks or did a puzzle. It wasn't, you know, let's make sure the kids read before they go to preschool and do complicated math. Jim, what were you saying about your kids? They're very math phobic. And I'm certainly not a math genius or anything, but I'm, I mean, I'm much more math capable than any of my kids. I don't know why. My father actually was into statistics. That was like his job. He was a statistician. So I I did math in in school to get by and to get a good grade. I hated every millisecond of it. <laughs> wow. And I I have every aspect of learning math has to probably be my weakness. And I had to do statistics in college and graduate school too. And I just struggle with it. But when I buckle down, I get it. I can do it. But I'm a little like you. I I need it to be more applicable to my day-to-day life. Okay. Do we have time for me to tell a story about me taking statistics in college? Sure. We have a story so, which just cuts into all, uh, all okay, of the preparation. Okay, well, you don't want me to tell no, the story, I, I want to tell the story. So, <laughs> I, you had to take uh, a math course and a science course when you were in the when you were in the College of Arts and Sciences, even if you were going to be a you know philosophy major or government major, like I was. Uh, so so freshman year, I took Intro to Statistics. Now this course met three times a week, two o'clock in the afternoon, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now right away, the chances of me going to that Friday two o'clock class are really limited, right? So. I took the course and there were two midterms. So I took the first midterm and having missed a fair number of classes, I took the first midterm 
and wasn't really sure, but I got an A on it. So after that, I basically stopped going to class completely. Ended up getting a B in the class. Wow. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so for any so of our college-age so, uh, listeners... I did okay in math. I mean, again, I was not like a math genius or anything like that or anyone who would ever pursue that. And I never took math above trig in high school. I never took like calculus or anything. But I did all right and I didn't really spend a lot of time on it. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's that's funny. That is <laughs> and lucky at the same time. I guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Let's let's switch to something a little lighthearted. This will be the probably the last one, right? Okay. Based on yeah. timing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Jim, I am pretty confident that you're a phenomenal dancer. Oh my God, you're completely phenomenally wrong. But uh, <laughs> it's a good thing we don't have video on. <laughs> have you never seen me dance, Beth? I haven't. It was just imagine. <laughs> okay, I'm kind of insulted, Beth, that you didn't come to my defense, but you know, that's uh Wow. Wow. So really you saved that one for last. That was great, Shelly. Yeah, no, don't forget. We're gonna don't forget to stay tuned for the second hour with uh, Peggy and John joining us. So, you know. So you would say you can't dance and you have two left feet? Is that what you're saying, I Jim? would say, first of all, in terms of like actual like ballroom dancing, that kind of dancing, I really have done very little of it and I'm not very good at it. In terms of like, you know, discotheque dancing or whatever they call it. I don't know what they call it now. I'm pretty but... sure they don't call it discotheque dancing <laughs> yeah, anymore. I don't know what they call it. But you know, when I, when I was... See, when I was a child, they actually had names for dances like the frog or the, the hustle. boogaloo or the hustle and all that stuff. So, you know, and basically, you know, basically those dances you could do, you could literally do without a partner. Mm -hmm. And I'm not anywhere particularly good at that either, but I'm not, I'm, I would say I'm probably better, at, I'm better at just gyrating to music than I am to actually formally dancing, I guess. If that counts as dancing, I don't okay, know. Okay, okay. Beth, are you a dancer? Yes. Yes. See, now I've never seen you dance, Beth. Are you Are you good? I love to dance. Like if, you know, I used to go to clubs all the time. I Did you still... dance like in groups or did you dance with partners or what? Or uh, both, both or both. some? But I also took ballet for a few years and I took Irish step dancing. So Oh, awesome. Kaylee dancing. Yes. So, so I am the absolute best dancer in my really? house. Really? Do you live alone? <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> that's only because the dog hasn't had it lessons yet. Oh, we dance together. <laughs> She's got two left feet. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that's funny. And she does. That's pretty funny. Uh, um, that's pretty funny, Shelly. <laughs> Shelly, sorry, I forget. Forgot, so forgot. there's a study from the University of Washington that suggests that people judge dancers based on their body symmetry, which is genetics a little bit. Yeah. But what the study didn't detect is a connection between DNA and dancing ability. Um, and this, this study was in the Journal of Behavioral and Brain Sciences. And it showed that differences in early experiences, preferences, opportunities, right? So nature and nurture, habits, training, and practice are really the determinants of whether you're going to be a good dancer. So, Jim, it's not too late for you if you want to it you is, know, start uh, It is doing way a too late for me, house. yes. <laughs> I was going to say, there was a guy I went to high school and college with who was an amazing dancer. I don't think he ever had any formal training, but he was the, like, when we would go to the pub or a party in college, he was the guy that all the girls wanted to dance with because he could really dance. He could, like, you know, uh, whip the part, your partner, his partner around and do all sorts of fancy moves and actually dance with her and stuff like that. He was wow. amazing to watch. So, and I, I don't think he had any formal training. I just think he, 
he probably was good at it because he did it a lot in part, but he was also just maybe coordinated a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, a little bit of both, according to this study. And that's what I have for you this evening. Okay. That Excellent. was fun. Any further comments before I close this out, Bethy? No, I was just going to say that was fun. I love doing this stuff. It and- is fun. We should do this all the time. And I'll bet Peggy enjoyed it as immensely. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Shelley. Thank you, Justin Mullen, for editing. Thank you, Ted Enley, for composing and performing the music. Thank you, Mary Heinz, for your technical wizardry. Thank you, John Heinz, wherever you are. We miss you. Thank you, Peggy. We miss you, but we're going to be talking to you about this one. Uh, Thank you to all of our listeners. We'd love to hear from you if you have any comments or reaction, good or bad, to this episode or to our podcast in general. You can let us know what you're thinking by leaving a comment on our website, www.insearchofanargument.com. You can leave a comment on our Facebook page. We do pay attention to feedback we receive and very much appreciate it. If you like what you are hearing and you are listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, please rate us. Now, normally, that is how we would end the podcast, but I wanted to take a moment for a personal note. I mentioned earlier that my son Michael and his wife Katrina had a baby. My son Michael is named after my brother Michael, who was born a year and two weeks after I was, and we played together and grew up together and went to the same school together all through high school. And Michael, unfortunately, passed away on May 11th. He had had a long, very brave, very private fight with cancer, which he finally succumbed to. He was a very, very, very much his own person. And, um, didn't very made it very clear he did, did not want a memorial or anything like that. I think I I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I know I most people who know me know that the very first concert I ever went to was to see Bob Dylan and the band when I was a senior in high school, and Michael was there with me. I don't know what he would think about this, but uh, I thought I would remember him by uh, quoting the words, some Bob Dylan words from a song that he sang when we saw him in concert. May your heart always be joyful. May your song always be sung. May you stay forever young. Michael, I miss you and goodbye. And to all our listeners, thank you for indulging this personal moment and we'll see you next month. 